Be brave enough to fight off despair. If you're a Gundam pilot, a new type, you can do it. Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Char's Counterattack, part one of however many it ends up being. With us this week we have Scotty P. Did you know that authorial intent says that Nanai has a really tight pussy? <laughs> what? Wow, I don't. I I'm not. Ki- I'm not kidding. I don't know how to I'm respond to that. <laughs> I'm seriously. Tomino has said that that is that's something he wanted to make sure came across in the movie. Is that you would that Nanai would be the kind of character that you would think, wow, she's she's definitely got a, a tight pussy. I mean, that sounds like a Tomino quote. Um, Do you ever wonder why they stopped letting Tomino make stuff? Victory, victory, good would, would be the answer. Um, but I, I think the roots may be the roots may be here. Um, and Luke, I don't even I don't even know how to go after that. Uh, I'm here too. And and uh, since we're doing Char's counterattack, I have also brought a. Um, Bottle of whiskey to the episode. Do you have any jailbait spit in your whiskey from your backwash? This because whiskey, that's that's how you could be just like Char. I believe this whiskey is older than 13. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, you got to keep it in oak barrels long enough. That's such a weird way to put that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> this episode's uh, gonna go great, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember what we were gonna talk about. Uh <laughs> okay, so all right, Char's oh, no. counterattack. Like all right, oh, so no. here whew, so here here's the here's the thing. If you're following along with us, I think almost everybody still listening to this show after all these years has probably seen this movie multiple times maybe you watch it once and said fuck it i'm not watching it again well right yeah so the (laughs) the the overall experience of watching this movie for the first time if you go in just blind like you're just doing a watch through without looking up a bunch of stuff and and all that you're just like all right i'm doing double zeta let me pop this in now the experience it's it's somewhat like if you went to a college lecture for a class that you weren't enrolled in on accident and were sincerely trying to like pay attention, but you just, you, you know, you know, some of the words and the concepts and you can generally maybe kind of follow the idea, but all the specifics are, you, you feel a little dizzy, you know, a little I nauseous. Think, I think uh, th- there's a guy you, you posted having to watch this on Twitter and uh, there was a guy that was like, uh, yeah, I watched this after watching the, the three summary movies. And that's not far off from how I watched it. I mean, I, I think I watched uh, some of the Unicorn series first, which was like, you know, the new type stuff didn't make a ton of sense to me. But then like I turned back and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, 
the summary movies. And then I was like, uh, sometime after that, but before I watched Zeta or Double Zeta, I watched this and I was just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I honestly think from a high level thematic standpoint and continuity standpoint, this is probably easier to digest if you have only seen the three Mobile Suit Gundam summary sure. movies. Yeah, and absolutely. if someone were to unearth something that said, oh yeah, we really made this movie with the intention of it being, hey, this is a theatrical movie. It's a sequel to the other three movies. And yeah, maybe there's some callbacks to the TV stuff, but we really just made it for the movie theater goers. I would say actually that makes sense. Well, for the longest time, it seemed like uh, the the continuity was uh, the original series, Double Zeta, and then CCA. And they just kind of left Double Zeta out of there. In which case, this movie still makes a little more sense. That's the English internet communities. Yeah, yeah, fair. That's, that, that's take, fair. Take of things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. From the you know the point of this movie on into the future, really until Unicorn. I, I know that some other you know OVAs and um, like Eighth MS team happened, and uh, F ninety one and Victory did get made, but they were so far detached plot wise that. Really, for almost 30 years, the core of Gundam was MSG Zeta, Double Zeta, Char's Counterattack. That was always the, um, like, kind of going into Universal Century when I first started watching it. That was, like, the big, like, these are the key points of the of UC. Like, this is it. Like, this is it. If you had to boil it down to, like, anything, that was the that was what you did. And you know what? Um, you made a comment about the, the summary movies. We went back and did Zeta a while ago, and I watched the summary, the Zeta summary movies, and they chopped them up really weird. It was a weird, not very good cut. And having seen those and then coming into this, it felt very much like this. It felt like they had made a series, and then someone was like, No, 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 you can't, like, we're not airing the series. You get a movie. And they're like, Shit. And they had a whole season, and they had to make it one movie. And they're like, well, I guess we're just going to focus on Char and Amaro, I guess. And we cut everything else out. And that's why it has like that, especially at the beginning, it has that feeling of like, wait, what? What's going on? How did we get here? Yeah. What? Yeah. Th- it feels like watching the last five episodes of a much longer series that doesn't exist. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think if you read, what is, does, does, does this start? Is this the beginning of Hathaway's Flash, or is this separate? Is this separate before Hathaway's Flash? I know they're like connected pretty heavily, but um, in in novel form or, or manga form, rather. Oh yeah, separate, separate entirely. Um, and there's two novelizations of this. You have High Streamer, and then you have uh, Beltorchica's Children. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and then there's what two different versions of Beltorchica's Children? There's the novels and then the manga. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to go check it, but that I feel like I've heard I mean, that before. The novels are coming out in English soon. Yeah. I, I, I know like, I've written kind of manga, against, manga. Right? Like this kind of leads into like the novelization of this kind of leads into what becomes like the first part of Hathaway's Flash. If I'm if I'm understanding the the timeline correctly, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm skipping stuff there. But I, I believe that Tomino wrote the Hathaway books after. Mm-hmm. Char's counterattack yep. without the unicorn stuff being considered. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hathaway's flash novels were written long before uh, unicorn 
was ever conceived. It was just Tomino's next story, but he wasn't going to get Tomino kind of wasn't involved with Unicorn or any of that stuff either, was he? No. And it kind of feels like, because they announced that, what is it, the UC100, like the next UC100 or whatever they called it project. And that started with, like the first part of it is Char's Counterattack. And it seemed like the intent was to take from Char's Counterattack through Unicorn Narrative, Hathaway's Flash, and I got the impression that they want to try and connect it back to like F91 and Victory and make it make sense. Like make that whole chronology make sense. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but that kind of seemed like how they were bundling everything. Yeah, yeah. I think they've they've done a lot with side projects to kind of try to bridge the gap. Like Twilight Access apparently helps bridge the gap a lot. It's just the it's you can't true. really go by the animation. Like the the animation is just a highlight reel. It's almost like a promotional thing for the the rest of it. It's it's not really like here's the story. But anyway, um, what I thought would be helpful. Because this reminds me a little bit of something like turn A, where if you go into it blind with no context, you're a little bit lost at the start. I think especially so in this movie, they start to name a lot of people, places, and things very quickly. Some of them are familiar and some of them are not. Um, So I wrote down the biggest ones for me that help. This is not meant to be exhaustive. But just the things that I can remember from earlier viewings being ultra confusing. So they start to mention Londonion a ton. That is specifically a colony at side one. Eventually, you'll work through that watching the movie. But the amount of times they name drop it early on, you know, that that will help. Uh, Londo Bell is a basically a special forces unit within the Federation that was established in the you know chronological timeline of the universal century r- roughly three years before the movie only a little bit after double zeta and that's the unit that bright and amaro are now a part of um there is Sweetwater, which is a refugee colony and where it's actually located is apparently a little bit murky, but probably on the fringes of side five. Uh, but Sweetwater is a colony. It sounds like a beer, maybe something at Bass Pro Shop, but it's not. Um, Axis is around L1 at the start of the movie. So that'll help. And, and Axis was repurposed to be a, a Federation base at that point right after double zeta axis is just sort of sitting around okay i, I the thought they had said they were going to turn it into like a federation base at some point yeah they they may have had intentions but it's mostly just sort of done nothing um now if you want some actual prequel stuff uh there is a manga that's a double fake that's what it's called that apparently goes through some of the stuff in here, you get a bit more action from Ilya Pazam that you see at the end of Double Zeta and then never again. Um, and so this Neo Zeon 2, if you will, the Shars Neo Zeon, uh, organizes sometime in 0090. And it's you know mostly the remnants of any of Haman's group, but then just kind of starts to pick up any other little anti-Federation movements. Um, I saw... Uh, some references to uh, the newborn Neo Zeon. Is that the same thing that you're referring to? I assume so. Probably. Yeah. I mean, pro- There's been so many Neo Zeons. I think that's a safe bet. 
Um, so anyway, this movie drops us in. We're somewhere like in the spring ish of 0093. Um, at this point, uh, Shar's fleet and Neo Zeon have kind of occupied that Sweetwater colony, uh, just a little bit before Christmas in 0092. So a few months before the movie. Uh, and then on Christmas of 0092, this guy gets name dropped, I think once a Federation minister by the name of John Bauer puts right in command of the rock Kailum instead of being on earth where he was previously. So bright did not spend all of his time and space away from his family, uh, in between double Zeta and this movie. To be fair, it's not clear how much time he spent away from his family. (laughs) True. He does actually say in this, um, and it's later in the movie, he makes a comment about how he hasn't seen her in six months. So it's only been six months since he, well, I mean, I say only been six months, but for bright, that's pretty good. Um, he's, he saw her six months ago. Yeah. We, we don't know how long he spent with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, based off of how he interacts with uh, Hathaway in this movie, he like saw him in the airport and then like, that was it. That was good enough for him. Yeah. He's like, okay, they're, they're not dead. All right. Hmm. Um, so the start of this movie, you're dr- basically dropped in at a point where Bright and Amaro are already doing special forces stuff and have heard that Char has returned and is in command of this new Neo Zeon unit. But they are trying to figure out what his plans are because they know that Char has never betrayed anyone in his life. And so they definitely don't have to keep an eye on him and wonder about what he's doing. No, they, they are highly suspicious of him because they know they know the guy. So, and they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on and we're dropped in as uh, Neo Zeon has kicked off a military operation to drop an asteroid on the Earth Federation headquarters, which have been relocated to Lhasa, Tibet, which is another thing the movie doesn't tell you until a good ways in and you're like, what the hell's going on here at the start? So I'll stop talking for a bit. Free Tibet. He does something to Tibet. <laughs> One quick note about uh, Londo Belt. Two quick notes about Londo Belt. Uh, number one, I think they were intended as a replacement for the Titans. Uh, fun fact: they in the dub they refer to them as the Titans, which Titans. the Titans, which bugged the shit out of me. Yeah, it bothers me to right now. Like oh, I'm yeah. still mad about it. Um, and uh, someone makes a, a, a Lando Bell joke in this movie, and I won't spoil it until it happens uh, when we talk about it, but it's my favorite thing that's ever happened in a Gundam. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it was enjoyable. That was enjoyable. Yep. And I think, yeah, Lando Bell, it's 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 a lot like the Titans, but um, and it's somewhat autonomous, but it's not it's not quite as autonomous as the Titans were allowed to be it, because it feels, they just saw what happened with that. It feels like a more integrated version of the AUG. In some ways. All right. So let's get started with this. Um, So the movie starts off. We have a long sweeping view of space. that slowly pans down into the moon. Um, And then we we go into a a hangar where they are talking about changing materials around the cockpit to make it lighter. Um, And we see like a little chest that looks very much like the the Gundam chest with the little I don't know if it's a V or a star icon whatever it's it's a Gundam chest um and then uh we see a girl with blue hair who is not introduced to us yet 
she's complaining that the delivery took too long and is um of, of the suit is took too long and she's pissed off because Shar is going to drop an asteroid on Earth and Neo Zeon is a thing. So that's that is the setup for this movie so far. There's a new Gundam yeah. and Shar's dropping an asteroid on Earth with Neo Zeon. This was Von Braun, right? That they're at. Yeah, they're at Anaheim, mm-hmm. which you would not know unless you had. Unless watched... you knew that, <laughs> right? Unless you mm-hmm. knew that, you wouldn't know that. Yep. Screw you! You don't get a caption or something to tell you. You're on the moon. Yep, we're on the moon building a robot, bitch. We got a movie to do. Let's go. <laughs> and now we're going to cut to the next scene where Cobra is beating up hippies. We did see a brief taped together Gundam face. Very brief. Yeah. Looked cool. Yep. But it has to be brief because Cobra is beating up hippies. <laughs> yeah. So we see a bunch of kids running around a desert town, uh, running away from the police. This girl asks what crime they're accused of. And the cop says, kidnapping a minor. And it's a arrest. It's a desert town in Tibet. Does Tibet actually have desert towns? I don't know, but that's it was in Tibet for sure. I feel like a desert town is just like the default setting for a lot of Gundam shows. Listen, the Universal Century, there's been a lot of desertification, so we can just go. A lot back. of shit's been blown up yep. and, ra- and irradiated over the years, okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he says, uh, yeah, you're being charged with kidnapping a minor and evading arrest, and he just begins like hauling away at this chicken in her stomach with a baton. Um, you know, as cops do these days. Um, we are introduced to Quest Pariah, a girl with blue hair who is uh, constantly shoved into a car. Well, so to, to clarify, she was running away with them, which yes. is kind of like they stop her and they, they're arresting the other guy and beating, it, beating people up. And, and they go, wait, you're Quest Pariah. And then that's it. They shove her in a car and that's it. And that's yeah, she's the minor they, they kidnapped. Uh, kidnapped. Yeah. Does anyone else think her last name is on the nose? Pariah. Oh, a hundred percent. One million percent. It's yep. spelled like papaya, but it sounds like pariah. Like P-A-R-I-A-H. There, well, uh, Gunham's known for being subtle. True. Full frontal. God damn it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so she she gets shoved into a car, and um, there's a lady that's like shoving her in, and she bites the lady. And she's like, "What the fuck?" Um, and they drive off. We learn that uh, Adenauer Pariah is her father, and he is quoted as a quote unquote top government official. We learn what he I is think- later, but right now he's just a top government official. Um, the 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 lady starts complaining to him like she bit me and one of the guards mentions like that's not his wife is it no yeah I no, just put down for that part quest bit the mistress yeah yeah and they were like they're like oh they're totally sending her to space so she learns how to behave and then yeah and that's not his wife they never actually mention if he has a wife you know you, you never know these the, the implication like, based on that statement is that he absolutely does. Yeah, that's fair. Fucking people on Earth, their souls being dragged down by gravity. We haven't had that reference yet, but it's gonna—it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so uh, they they just, they're going to take a civilian ship because all of, we learned that all of the military ships have been mobilized um, to to deal with this new uh, asteroid dropping threat. Um, Quest gives her dad a hard time because uh, she, he has failed to stop Shar from freezing the Earth, and so this is a reference we're going to hear throughout the the movie is. Um, and they'll explain it at, at some point, but essentially Char wants to create a nuclear winter on the earth. Um, yeah, you find out more about it later, but it's helpful to understand going into it. Um, what he's doing is he's dropping the asteroid, which will cause like a mass amount of destruction, but he's also dropping, he's got like nuclear bombs on it. He's using a nuclear, I think a nuclear reactor or something like that on yeah. the asteroid and on the stuff that he's trying to do later to help basically pollute earth, irradiate earth and make it, like he keeps calling it contaminated. He wants to contaminate Earth. He's going to um, reset the Earth by killing everybody on it. So yeah, this will trigger a nuclear nuclear winter. So people keep saying he's going to freeze the Earth. Yeah. Um. And there's a comment that the Federation did not believe that Shard was still alive, which we learn later is bullshit. Um. I feel yeah. like they had good reason to think that. Up until they started negotiating with him. Well, right, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, look, we we watched today to that Hyakushiki was blown to shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we learned about his escape pods later in the movie. <laughs> um. Uh. So we run back up to space. There's a lot of fighting uh, around the asteroid. Um. We get to see the uh, aforementioned uh, nuclear propulsion rockets that are attached to the asteroid. And we learned that this asteroid is called Fifth Luna. Um, yeah, so it says a nameless Jagan pilot as right before he has blown the hell up. Yep. Um, so we get, Shar has a red ship and uh, is in a Sazabi. So he's, he's, he's taking that red comet pretty hard. So uh, they, they really just kind of show us this Sazabi, but it is um, a pretty cool looking suit. Um it is uh, the direct precursor to a lot of suits we'll see later on, like the Snondrustein, um, the Messers, and things along those lines. Um, they don't go into his de- into like what he has in it, but he's got a beam saber. Uh, it's got funnels. How many funnels does it have? Six funnels. Uh, there's an important note about this during this point where he's he's doing stuff. One of his soldiers. It might be someone that we see later that's important. But he's like, why aren't you using your funnels? And he keeps referencing the funnels. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, Char won't use them. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think we can reference that later in the movie, why he doesn't use them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we the funnels are apparently the same ones in the Yagdogas. Um, he's got a mega particle cannon, a beam shot rifle, long beam rifle, shield, tomahawk. Uh, and the, the, the thing that's important to this one is it is, does have a psycho frame cockpit and a psychomu system. So this is, I believe this is the first, well, uh, psychomu ha- was in the double Zeta, right? We've, we've had psychomu since Zeta. Yeah. Kind of sort of origins at the end of mobile suit Gundam, but this is, This movie introduces us to the concept of psycho frame, which we will learn more about as the movie goes on. Yeah, they go into a lot more detail about that specifically. Kind of. 
It, well, I mean, the long and short of yeah. it. Well, right. Yeah. It, it's just another escalation of a uh, fictional lie that makes the rest of the story truth. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, the New Zealand forces after a brief battle, they they're going to withdraw uh, per Char's orders and Char's going to back up Gune who's still fighting. So Gune is kind of like, Char's right-hand ace pilot man. Um, yeah. And we learn later that he is a, um, a cyber new type as well. Fun like thing of the early drafts of this story. Obviously, the role would have ultimately played out a lot differently, I think. But Gunye was made up after they decided to not use Camille in the role of Char's like, ace number one lieutenant. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I would have never, never have guessed that. Yeah, well, it, I'm. It's one of those draft things, right? Like, you can't say like, "Oh, it was going to be Camille." Well, no, it wasn't. They they threw that in the garbage. But it's an interesting thought process, I think, to imagine. Wow, what if that was Camille? Now that breaks down pretty quickly in the movie because it's like, well, Camille would never do that, which is probably why they didn't use Camille. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that would be that'd be an interesting like what if scenario to see play out like what if he was there how would events have gone i mean and to be fair how they characterize char in a lot of this they they could have just done it yeah well (laughs) it would have been interesting because of the 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 change we see in char and not throughout this movie because he's kind of like one of one mind in this movie but the change from the last time we saw him is pretty substantial um and that would have been an interesting you know, dynamic to see with him and Camille and Camille dealing with that change. But I think it would have been arguably more interesting than Goonie. I think what happened and this explains Char in this movie is that uh, Camille was getting a haircut and Char was in there just talking to him. And then he threw him through the barbershop window and they're not friends anymore. And now Char is a heel. I think that, that that Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty reference explains Char's heel turn in this movie about as well as anything else will. It's fair. It's fair. Um. So uh, th- there's still lots of fighting going on in and around the asteroid. Um, and and Amaro comments that he doesn't think they'll be able to stop the asteroid uh, when he notices Char flying around the Sazabi. Um. They believe that the asteroid falling to Earth is going to kill everyone. Um, and Char responds to Amro when he hears that. He's like, that's cool. The people on Earth only cares about themselves. So I'm going to kill him anyway. Um, and he begins chasing Amro around. Um, they battle a little bit one-on-one. Um, and Char announces, it is my destiny to enforce destiny. Um, whatever that actually means. um and uh amaro i think is spot on when when he tells char that he's full of himself char char uh read like half of a nietzsche book and that's (laughs) like never finished it and now it's like his whole persona (laughs) intro to like thought (laughs) critical thinking for eighth graders (laughs) 
Uh, I think that's the episode title. <laughs> but I like it. I mean, listen, we started the episode with talking about tight pussy, so that's pretty eighth grade level. Um, but I mean, seriously, so I, I actually, while watching this movie, I don't think the hints are very strong and I would not argue this very strongly, but I think, and this is maybe one way I'm trying to make it better because I don't like this movie, um, but I'm trying to find some joy in it. I think Char tried to cyber new type himself and did a little bit too much. And we see some of that in like Zeta and double Zeta. It with seems characters. Po- it seems possible, but it, it also like one of the things I noted in this movie is they cyber new type two people, right? You know, Kune and eventually Quest. And they are way more stable than the previous cyber new types were. So they've definitely like improved the tech a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean he's still quote unquote Char, but he's slightly crazier Char. But you could you can imagine him if th- this is not real, right? Yeah. This is not part of the story. But if he did, you can imagine him taking it too far. Sure. Like easily. So I mean, he's never beat Amaro or a Gundam. Like there's, there's, there's a point later in the, in the movie where Junae makes a comment of like, Oh, I'm going to take out a Gundam and be better than Char. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, one is greater than zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's actually kind of gets us back to where we were here because Amaro is in a Regency and which is like a, a discount Zeta Gundam, right? Like it's close to a, it's not literally mass production Zeta because that exists and that's a different thing, but it's got Jägen arms. That's an easy way to think about it. Regency is it's like a mass production Zeta and Char's like disappointed that Amaro's having to fight in that. He's like, this won't count. He could, he could probably have beat him here. And he's like, nah, I'm going to, you know, no. Which is why he doesn't use the funnels. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's unsaid, but I think, I mean, it makes complete sense. He, especially with, again, things that occur later in the movie, Char does not want to technologically beat Amuro. He wants to beat Amuro mano a mano. Yeah. And he uses the excuse of leaving because he's like trying to protect Gune because Amuro's launched like these dummy balloons and Gune just runs into one and has a mine in it. Like, wow. Could yeah, I mean, Char straight up says, Amuro can't beat me with that piece of shit. Yep. And Yuna's like, why aren't you using the funnels? And Char's like, eh. Uh, and then um, Amuro retreats, and then Char forces Yuna to retreat with him as well. Um, so back on Earth, we see Quest's uh, not-mom refusing to travel with Quest because why would you want to travel with a brat like that into space and be confined for that long. Uh, and she's like, nah, fuck it. I'd rather die on earth. And uh, she leaves. Um, Quest is fine with that and notices that two kids have a letter from Bauer. Kathy who... is the best decision maker in this entire movie. Uh, is that her name? Kathy? Yeah. The, I think Adenauer says it once or twice at this point. <laughs> Cause he's like, Kathy don't leave or something. But seriously, Best decision made in the entire movie. My favorite part of this whole sequence is when they're walking into the airport and Quest is just giving her shit, just relentless shit. 
And then she's like, oh, I can't take this girl. Do something. And then he's just kind of like, hey, whatever. And then she just keeps going. And then she's like, ah, oh, fuck this. And then swipes at her and just full ass tries to slap her. And, and they added a whoosh sound effect because she swung at her so hard. That was my favorite. It, I, I'm sad she didn't land, make contact, but it was hilarious. Yeah, so um, it's Mirai. Mirai and only one of her kids are going to be uh, allowed on board, except it's only going to be one of her kids that gets allowed on board at this point. Um, so actually, so sorry, I missed that. I misspoke that. Uh, Mirai has two kids with her and the, the docking agent's basically like, ah, yeah, we got limited space. You can choose one of these kids to live. Well, um, so what what happens here is um, Adenauer ends up using his, you know, look at me, I'm important status. He basically bumps ahead of um, Mirai Hathaway Nugget here. And the implication is that his three spots were the ones that were going to be theirs on this shuttle, even though they've got this letter signed by a Federation official. Well, Adenauer is a Federation official, so who cares? But because they bumped ahead and now Kathy's gone, he goes to the like agent dude, hey, who signed their letter? And he says, John Bauer, which I think is the only mention of that guy. Yeah. Um, but that's the one that in the supplementary material and stuff we learn is like one of the forces behind Londo Bell. Um, and he says, hey, okay, I owe that guy a favor. Let one of them on. And that's when the gate agent goes to Mirai and, you know, they... Yeah. Yeah, she's like, we got we got Hathaway. He wants to be a protagonist someday. So Yeah, she, she chooses Hathaway to survive with his deadbeat dad. Um, because you know, Earth is gonna freeze and Nugget and Mariah are gonna die. Um Yeah. It's it's exciting to see Nugget again. She's oh, I forgot about the, Nugget, I forgot we called her that. <laughs> it's in my notes as Nugget. Yeah, I, I didn't write Shaman one time. <laughs> <laughs> we're random question Are they, were they living in hong kong it seemed like they were yeah at the time yeah yeah um so amaro gets out of his uh regz what what how do they pronounce it in the sh- in the english stuff it's Rig-Z. like regis or something regis regis is something that they say yeah, I think Regazi is, is how they say okay. it. God forbid you don't hear how they say some of these and you have to read them like Regazi, the new Gundam. They use the symbol in some cases, the the jagged dog. Like like a lot of these are fucking <laughs> nightmares to try and pronounce if you've never heard if it. If you didn't know the new Gundam was in you, you'd be like, oh, this is a brand new Gundam. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't see it with the Greek letter. Yeah. If you just heard it, right, or you didn't see it spelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a new one. I like it. It's it's like the old one, but it's new. And it actually makes, if you imagine it as N-E-W, it makes some of Amaro's lines really funny. <laughs> um, hold on, whiskey. Mm. I feel like they called it that on purpose. Like, it's, the, it's Amaro's new Gundam. So what do we call it? Yeah. Um, we gotta so, make it fancy. Um... Yeah, so uh, Chief Hanan goes to take it for a checkup uh, because, you know, he's taking some damage in the battle. Uh, We learned that Side 2 hasn't helped Londo Bell yet and that Side 1 is afraid that their colonies will rebel if they assist. Um, 
So this is like the first inkling that we get um, and we get it sprinkled throughout the movie that the um, space colonies, despite what the politicians there may want to do, um, the populations are really sided with Neo Zeon and Shar. Um, and that's really how he's gotten his foothold and been um, successful in this whole operation. Quest made a comment early, like very early on, like when she gets into the car with, with her dad right at the beginning um, and she's kind of like that idealistic kid, right? Like that's like giving their parents shit for their, but like, like you remember when you were like 18 and you were giving your parents shit because they like, you had different political views than them. Um, she was kind of doing that with him. Like, why is the Federation like in charge of the colonies when you live on earth and have never been to space? Like what, what's, what's going on with that? And it kind of, it kind of comes through here. I mean, um, that's what the colonies argue the entire time too. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's, it's, a hundred percent like uh, I mean that that's actually been a theme throughout a lot of the show. I know at least um yeah. you know it was mentioned in Zeta by uh Camille a handful of times. I don't remember if it was mentioned very much in double Zeta, but probably. because uh, I, I remember there was like a whole plan where they were gonna make the Federation like council live in space or something like that. But anyway. Um we get to see Bright for the first time in this scene. Um, and uh, we, we see uh, side two attacking, but they don't seem to have enough of weaponry in this scene. They're just kind of outgunned, I think. I don't know. My note here says side two attacks, but doesn't have enough weaponry. No, um, so uh, <laughs> Amaro gets back to the ship and they're kind of both mutually bitching about how side one isn't helping them out of fear that some of their colonies may rebel. Yes. Uh, and then Amaro's like, hey, have the people in Lhasa actually been warned about Fifth Luna? And Bright's like, well, the guys in power already left, so... No. And then they speculate about how the Federation government might have been the ones to give Shar the nuclear power that he would have needed for the thrusters on fifth Luna. Yeah. And this, this begins another thread that we see a handful of times throughout the movie where they basically hint that the Federation uh, negotiators or government have basically enabled Shar throughout this entire process yeah, and, or otherwise. And then we have the confusing shots of like Neo Zeon troops or somebody blowing up some space lasers. Yeah, it was the eighties. They needed to fill a runtime. <laughs> so the shuttle of space that um, everyone is on, uh, and by everyone I mean Quest, Hathaway, and Adenauer, um, they are getting too close to the meteor. Um, Quest keeps like yelling for, for, for the captain to steer one way or another. Um, obviously they're not hearing her cause they're up in the cockpit. Um, and as they get bounced around Quest lands and young Virgin Hathaway's lap. And this obviously begins his, his, uh, turn on phase for her. A bumpy um, ride. Yeah. Bumpy ride. Yep. Well, um, I'll actually like, uh, right before the, well, shuttle takes off. How, you know, at an hour, 
tells the pilots to to go on, even though they're going to be close to a meteor. And as soon as Adenauer leaves the bridge, like the captain starts taking his hat off. He's like, we're wearing normal suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. We're not going to survive this. Um, yeah. So uh, right after this, the asteroid lands and fucks up the Earth. Yeah, Man, the general way to put it, but yes. Yep. So <laughs> one of the one of the things I tried to do during this watch was solve the mystery of some of the pacing of this movie because oh, oh god, it's exhausting. And this is like moment number one where I was like, he just kept writing a TV series and crammed everything in because this asteroid lands roughly eleven and a half minutes into the movie which is roughly halfway through a TV episode's runtime, which is where you'd have your commercial bump. And I feel like if this were chopped up into a TV episode, that's, you know, I'd probably put your commercial bump right about here. Although it feels we, like, you know, we were talking about this before we got on at this point. <laughs> we talked about this before we got on, but this was, it felt like they had chopped up a show and stuck it in. And I was even having watched this before I got into, I got to this part. I'm like, did I miss something? And I had to like go and check and make sure I didn't like accidentally skip ahead in my, in my, vid, in my player. And I'm like, ah, this is what happens. Shit. And even before you popped in, Scotty and I, I were talking about it's just like, this movie is unlike any of the other movies in, in the Gundam series or even like shows or anything like that. There is no dead space in this movie. It is back to back to back to back to back. Like no, no it's, it's a four. It's a four-hour movie in two hours. Yeah, I I feel like maybe I should watch this sometime like right after I've woken up because I need all of my executive functions to just <laughs> absorb everything happening. It it helped having to stop and take notes this time so so much. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Amuro is pissed uh, that, you know, they let the asteroid fall onto Earth and um, he he heads to the moon. What a great angsty reaction. Ah, oh, man, I'm going to the moon. Yeah. Um, Bright says that the Federation government tries to rule space, but the space noids hate that. So they hide our Shars activities from the inspector. So this is, you know, kind of referencing back to why, why aren't the colonies working with them well they like him more than they like the federation so so amaro amaro and he's like having his fit he's like how did don't we inspect them how do we not find this how do we not find his nuclear stuff um and they're like well they don't like us so they don't cooperate when we inspect them yep yep amaro wants to uh defeat char before char return char and his fleet return to sweetwater so this is the first reference to sweetwater that we hear um, which will become more and more important later. I, 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 for whatever reason, recall my very first viewing of this movie, uh, which was a little bit after I had finished watching Zeta Gundam way, way back. And this was like the point in the movie where I remember starting to get very, very confused, mostly because I had heard all of forever since I knew what Gundam was about how great this movie was. And I was like, huh? What's Sweetwater? Right. And like, for some reason that was the, the trigger point. The first time I watched this movie to be like, I don't know what's happening. This movie does such a terrible job about explaining anything that it's referencing or any one that it's referencing. It's just like, I mean, to be fair, Gundam as a whole is not great about that. Like 
it's better than this movie is about it. Scotty says every single time we do a podcast, like you are intended to be taking notes when you're watching this. Like if you're not taking notes, you're going to get lost. And this is like the shining example of that. I, I feel like they expected everyone watching in a movie theater had like gotten a little like souvenir program before and had time to browse it. Well, like, it was like it had like maps or something. Yeah, it was like so Dune. Been subscribed to yeah. and like buy all the novels and all of like the mobile suit documentation. You're like, oh, Sweetwater. Yeah, that totally. That was in this side story like three years ago, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, once you like know what everything is, it all makes sense. Yeah, and it's it's a v- element of realism that Tomino always uses, where these characters are not going to stop and explain things because people would not do that in real life. Okay, that's that's fair. But dude, give me a narrator or, or something. <laughs> you don't have to break the fourth wall to have the first one. <laughs> yeah, just have a little thing up like Sweetwater's a colony here. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, Amaro uh, leaves, goes to the moon, and meets with some a- Anaheim people who just commonly make a, co- a comment. They're like, "Yeah, dude, yeah, of course we make suits for Neo Zeon. Don't worry about it. We're just the we're just the tech guys. Like we're we we're like the military suit. industrial complex, bro. Like, well, you, you got a harsh our butt. <laughs> <laughs> the- yeah, it, it was like a really funny scene and sad for Abro because he's like, you know, you're like helping destroy the earth. And like, we're on the fucking moon, bro. We don't care. <laughs> like, you're Amaro Ray. You're part of the machine, pal. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, yeah. You work for government special forces. <laughs> Take your judgment and get out. By the way, we built the suit for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Amaro. Yeah, we built that thing you came here for. <laughs> Amro inspects the new suit and uh, he mentions that the engineer is cute. He pats her on the ass or something uh, inappropriate to do nowadays. Does he pat her on the ass? He does something that's inappropriate. I mean, he just, he just flirts with her while that's, that's all that's important here. This engineer Chan, he just flirts with her while he's checking out. He leveraged his power as a military hero to (laughs) I mean, you get the impression immediately that these two are already somewhat familiar. They are not at all strangers. And you are told pretty quickly as well that um, she actually does serve on the Rock High Loom. Yeah, I 1,000% interpreted this as they have been together for a while. Where's Beltorchica? They broke up. You wouldn't know it. You would never know it from watching this movie or anything else of Gundam, but they they break I, up at some point apparently. I mean they they were they were fucking at the end of Zeta, weren't they? Listen, Amuro had to be free like like Lala. Uh, I have no idea why they broke up. I don't really care, but they did. Yeah, that's. I mean that's fair. So anyway, Amuro likes the Saikamu. It's in the cockpit. Says, "Yeah, this will speed up the reaction time." And then this uh, other engineer peeks in. And he's like, "Yeah, we built it right into the frame." This guy's name—you'll hear it later—but his name is October. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, October. They make it. He makes an interesting comment. He says, "We built it directly into the frame." And then I think it was Chan that says. Um, you don't really understand this, how this technology works, do you? And then he, he's like, I get it from R and D. 
uh, I just put it in. <laughs> That's a way of saying, yeah, we don't know how it works. Um, he does explain to them, like, so you have him in the cockpit, and then it's the, one of those, like, whiplash cuts. Uh, like when Quest first gets thrown into the cop car, and then suddenly it's a different car. Um, it's one of those whiplash cuts from there in the cockpit to uh, October is explaining this in front of a monitor in, like, a office somewhere off from the hangar. And he says, oh, yeah, there's these little computer chips about the size of metal particles, and they're surrounding the cockpit frame, but we uh, we don't know how it works. <laughs> yeah, we just got it from our idea. It's fine. We'll, we'll be okay. Uh, trust us. It's they're fine. like, we need three more days Yeah, to get this thing ready. And Amaro and Chan are like, nah, no, okay, no. You, you don't have three days. It's fine. We're taking it today. What could possibly go wrong? The earth could freeze. Uh, <laughs> Everything. Um, so we get bounced into uh, a new scene where we get a mega char. Um, uh, or I, I don't know, wh- whatever we called Haman when she did her giant Haman projections. Isn't like, this so funny to see him just copying Haman's style? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he is praising his crew and the Neo Zeon fleet. Um, it, it's like a long speech that doesn't really have much content. No, he's he's giving them kind of empty platitudes. Like I'm so impressed by the like the 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 jib on you soldiers. Like you're so you're so good. I'm so happy to have you as part of my army. Blah blah blah. And then when he cuts off the microphone, he immediately says, "I don't know why I have to do this. This is bullshit." Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, like a clown. They're like they're like, look, if you're going to be the leader, you have to you have to play the game. But we do learn that he is going to run a diversionary operation to lose Londo Bell and return to Sweetwater. Um, that's that's the main thing you get out of like Mega Shar. Um, Gune apologizes to Shar for the mistakes he made on Luna Five, uh, and this is actually the scene where we learn that he is actually a, a cyber new type. Um, and Shar gets into a like dresses into a suit. Oh. Uh, I had one thing here. Okay. Uh, Char says that his cyber new type enhancement, this is his response to uh, Gunye's apology, uh, is to say that his cyber new type enhancement was expensive, and they, so they can't afford to lose him. And I actually kind of feel like he might mean that pretty literally yeah. at this point. Um, we don't... Boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we... we we don't know the finances of Neo Zeon by any means, but we're going to get some hints later that um, maybe they have other things they're using money for. So uh, yeah. Anyway, now he puts on God, that suit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to have to act like a politician. You're talking about the golden Hyakushiki as a, as a, as a shirt or as a, as a suit. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Ooh, you can buy that really on a Bandai for four hundred dollars. Or the golden shars counterattack Hyakushiki suit would be like a thousand dollars, easy. Or you could probably go to most any Goodwill and and find something that looks like that for five dollars. My first, I want to believe it was intended to be gold, and like you would have to be like you know the people who dress up as living robots. Like it was like straight up gold metallic material. That's what I believe that it was supposed to be. <laughs> Can't believe none of us had our wedding outfits be like that. My first prom outfit 
I went to Goodwill and I had purple pants, a green jacket. Uh, I can't remember what shirt I had. I think it was like a striped multicolored shirt and a golden pimp cane. Was there a question mark on your tie? Was this <laughs> intentional? Like, it was, was it a joke? Yeah, it was. <laughs> the the cane was awesome. I used that cane for a few years. It's great. Uh, I'm glad I was around for at least the tail end of Lane's Genebio face. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, Char tells Gune that he is coming along with him. Um, and ever there's like a few people that make a comment. They're like, we hope the, the scenery on, on the colony makes some fucking like mellow out. Cause he just needs to like smoke a joint, calm down. Yeah. And, and we're also just kind of seeing like Char's like surrounded by these handlers at this point. And, um, yeah, it's, like it's advisors just, or whatever. It, it's just such a like, okay, wait. You left Agug because they were making you do all this stuff just to go somewhere else and do all the same stuff? Huh? Yep. But to, like, the nth degree. Right. Yeah. It's it's so weird. He, like, all of his cited reasons for, like, becoming disillusioned, it's all the same stuff happening to him right here. Yep. Um, so Neo Zeon is heading towards side one. Um, Amuro rushes to get the Saikamu receiver turned on so he'll be prepared to, f- to, to fight Char. Um, he's like yeah. kind of working on working on it like an engineer dude. Yeah, and the, uh, there's a quick line in here that's never really elaborated upon very much, but Bright apparently has reason to assume that Anaheim is just straight up telling Neo Zeon where the Londo Bell fleet is at this point, mm. probably so that they can keep supplying Neo Zeon with stuff. Here's where your supply line should be. <laughs> um, so we, we are introduced to a woman named resin who launches for Neo Zeon. She launches in a suit. I think it was, a, uh, was that one of the Yagdogas? That is a Giradoga, but it's Giradoga. purple and bluish just so that you know, that's the name, a named characters unit. Um, she seems very edgy and independent. That was my comment for her. Resin is a weird character. Um, but yes, uh, this is a, uh, she, she exists in this movie uh, to me, just sort of as a surrogate for, any angry Neo Zeon pilot. Um, And then we have Amaro getting ready to go, gets in the cockpit. Chan has to sit like, I don't know if I call this super shotgun or just riding bitch. I don't know, but like an extra seat. It's not quite Um, on Amaro's lap. It it, it looks like it's on his lap until later in the show. Like they give you a different view where it's like, it's like a seat. So, so it was extremely confusing when I saw it because the, the way they, they, I think they fucked up the animation a little bit because she was like sitting basically on his lap and there was like a pipe going behind Amaro's neck to the other side of her, which very clearly implied that they were sitting like touching basically. And then like a couple scenes later, it shows it in the pipes on the other side of Amaro. And you can tell that it's like a seat attached right in front of his seat because the cockpit's fucking tiny. And like, it's the only place where you have room for people. 
Uh, but the first time they show it, like I, I'm confident they made an animation mistake and put the pipe on the wrong side, and it made it look like she was sitting on his lap. And I totally thought she was sitting on his lap at first, and yeah. until we see the animation later. Well, anyway, then we have October chiming in as the hatch closes, and he just says, "I tried to warn you." I was like, "That's not ominous at all." Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole implication um, right here is that it's like not finished, and he's just taking you, it. Just right. Like, Good enough. Mm-hmm. I have to go. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 Z is still broken, which is why they're not taking that out because Chen can pilot just a mobile suit to some degree, most likely. Um, but it's broken, so they're working on it. Um, at this point, the Neo Zeon fleet uh, attacks Londo Bell, um, and Resin uh, makes it past like their in outer defensive mobile suit layer and starts closing in on uh, Bright's ship. Um, Amro pilots towards the fleet in <laughs> what I mentioned as a awkward seating arrangement in my notes. Um, it, it looks like he's just so difficult to do anything. Like he's like reaching out with his right arm, like typing on the computer, like three feet in front of him. It's like, you know, it looks like he's kind of like angling his head to, to read how anything through the back of the fucking back of the head of her chair. Yeah. I imagine like in real space, you know, she probably has hair that's floating around. He's probably like, how the well, fuck? She has short hair, so. Well, yeah. so interestingly enough, though, when they first do cut back to them at one point, Amaro is navigating where he is by identifying stars. So he maybe can see, like, up. And so he knows what direction he's heading. Yeah. But he is, like, typing into the computer, and it looks really difficult yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and eventually, uh, Chan notices it, and she's like, uh, let me get behind you. <laughs> and so she pops out of her seat and gets behind him. Um, and then we see the, the shuttle with Hathaway and Quest um, drifting towards the battle as well. Um, we meet Karen, Karen at this point. Um, nope. Kara, no? Kara. Oh, Kara. Yep. There's no, there's no in. We learn later she's fucking Astonage. So good for Astonage. Yeah. Um. So Kara is a named Londo Bell pilot who defends Londo Bell by herself because Amaro can't be bothered to show up. Um. Too far away. Uh. She is almost killed when some shots are fired from afar and uh, hit almost hit resin. So resin had come in, like we had mentioned earlier, had gotten past the mobile suit fleet. Um, and it was just Kara defending the Londo bell ships. And um, right as uh, resin's about to kill Kara, um, there's some blasts that come by. And of course we know what the blasts are. Only one person can fire from that far away accurately and that's Amaro. Oh, oh Amaro. Okay. <laughs> shh, shh. Devil Zeta is not a real thing in America. <laughs> um yeah and uh resin comments that the, the new suit is not in her computer so apparently uh Anaheim hasn't uploaded the schematics for the new Gundam quite yet. Um and she, she gets signaled to pull back right as the new Gundam comes in. And 
just to continue, this doesn't hold up super close for the entire movie, but to this point, it still does. So the end of our obligatory battle for the quote unquote episode has happened. And we're roughly, uh, you know, with, with Hathaway and quest looking out from the shuttle at the battle, we're about 21 and a half minutes, real close to the runtime of a television episode. All right. So we're going to cut it off here because we're an hour into this episode and 20 minutes into the fucking movie. (laughs) What's that? Uh, one sixth of the way in. <laughs> I I think the next episode will make it a, a larger chunk of the mo- way into the movie. Um, but I will not be surprised if this is a three part uh, show for for Char's counterattack. Possibly even four. It feels like a, how we it feels like a three parter at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's right around the pace that we were at for the involved episodes of Zeta and Double Zeta. Yeah. When you look at actual runtime. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thoughts for thoughts for this section of the show. Um, I think there's been a lot that's been introduced that hasn't been explained. Um, and watching, I could not imagine watching this in a movie theater and enjoying it. This, <laughs> so this, far. this movie. So I'll I'll start with I like this movie. I like it because it tells the end of the story. I mean, this is the whole movie, the whole movie, right? It, it arguably tells the end of the story. So I like it for that reason. Um, it's a little bit, of, it's a little bit hard to follow. It takes, it takes some, it ta- this movie yeah. takes work to follow. Um, so far it has taken a lot of work at this point. It gets easier. I think at the end for me, uh, but right now it's, it's. it's there there are definitely things I really like about this movie. And there's things that are just frustrating as hell. It, 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 I said this already. It felt like it should have been a show. Uh, it should have been a show that was like split up, you know, a season of a show that they had an hour. They had to fill two. That they they were told no, you get a movie, and then they had already made it, and they're like, shit, we got to cut it down. Yeah, it's almost like if Double Zeta had been a show that was allowed to be we'll go with it was what 47 episodes. So if it had been allowed to be 70 episodes, it feels like this whole thing could have been a final arc. Sure. Right. I mean, if you would have interspersed Char through well, with, with dramatic changes. Yeah. To the, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the, you know the thing I, I think I'll take take away here is the the thing that surprised me watching this movie for the first time. Here was it doesn't look much better than the TV episodes. It it's it doesn't have the oh clearly this was a TV episode rush job moments, but the general quality of this like animation like the the like objective technical work on the animation is very, very good. I I'm not besmirching that at all. I, I think I know where but, you're heading with that. Yeah. Like the art, the overall like artistic quality, it just looks like the TV shows. Yeah. I remember you know it, 
you know looking for like the the Sazabi and the Rigi Z and and looking at them and being like, I want to see like a good shot of these suits. So like, you know, like I'm impressed because you you do get good shots of suits and like double Zeta and some in Zeta as well. But like, you don't get that many in this show. Like everything is so. No, you know what I did notice um, at the end, uh, and we're not at the end when they had the fight scene at the end, which we were, we haven't gotten to. We want to talk. I won't talk about it detail. That felt like it was where the money went to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where it went in the in the, in each series, right? The main battles is where you probably saw like the biggest stuff. Yeah. I was just kind of disappointed. Like every once in a while in Zeta and Double Zeta, you got like these action shots of like the suits that were like very representative of the model kits in some ways. And in this, in the movie, you never really get those shots per se. Some of the, it's, it's so like we were saying earlier, there's no juxtaposition. There's no like silent move moments in this movie. It's all action, 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 action. Yeah. You don't have those. Like when we were watching Double Zeta, we're th- I'm thinking about some of the really excellent key sequences with the Double Zeta showing off the mechanics and, and things like that. And you just don't get them here. And my other basis for comparison uh, is being that there's at least a little bit probably cross-pollination with some of the, the talent, like animation talent. Um, not dramatic, but probably some. Uh this came out in real life a year and a half after the Transformers movie. The Transformers movie looks a lot nicer than this. A yeah, lot yeah. nicer. Which is, you ever watch, it's kind of a, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, you ever watch a cartoon um, family guy or something like that. And then the show is animated one way and then they do a movie and it's like the same animation, but they just like added some shadows to it and it did to make it look better. Like that's, that's what it feels like here. It's still it's still good looking. I mean, it's good animation, but it's not better. You know, it's not it's not top tier animation. It's not like they dumped a large amount of budget into this movie. It was like they got they got enough money, and they were like, "Hey, Gundam's popular right now. Um, let's take like this budget and like throw it into a movie and get it out the door really quick." Versus like, let's make let's make a blockbuster movie that's going to, you know, you know, expose like what our studio can really do when we're pushed to our limits. I, I feel like they may have tried that. And I just have to wonder. I wonder if they were waiting on story or scripting or <laughs> things like yeah. that at any point. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh yeah. Yeah, as, as much as I'm going to give this movie a hard time. It's it's not a it's not a terrible movie. It is a it is okay movie. It is interesting for Gundam plot. And um m- me being critical of it is not like we we've gotten comments in the past where like, do you guys even like Gundam? Yeah, we like Gundam. Um but like this the show is like a critical review of like Gundam stuff. So if we were just like, oh man, this is awesome. I love like every scene of this movie. That's that's not what we do. Like we're yeah. here to like kind of give feedback and give commentary and like comment on the story where where it's really cool, where it could be better, things along those lines. Listen, I I'll end this episode with this. Well, for myself at least. 
I make no secret that I don't like this movie. However, I think in the context of not only Gundam, but mecha anime, it is an extremely important movie that should be watched maybe once, but, <laughs> but, it, sh- but well, it, maybe, it should, it twice, should be watched twice to get everything. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think there are like, uh, if I had to put it one way, this is a fantastic first draft for a really good movie. <laughs> it's a good start. I wonder if we'll ever get like a like an updated version of it that's like three hours long and they fluffed it up and filled in some of the shit that was like glossed over. Tomino will have to be dead. There's going to be like a Cuckoo's Doan's Island version of like you know what second arc of this movie. (laughs) They're going to be like, what did Tomino hate about this movie the most? All right, let's make a movie about that. Dude, Doan's Island, the the remake was fantastic in my opinion. I would love it if they did that with this. They made an origin version of this. Hey, you can at least hear the end credits song as one of the openings to the TV cut of Origin. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right, you guys got anything else? Nope. Not till the next one. All right, we will see you guys again in two weeks. Uh, thanks for following along. Uh, hope you enjoy this journey with us as we go through Char's counterattack. Um, All 10 episodes. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at New Type Flash Pod and wherever else we post stuff about this shit. Uh, 